some of you obviously know me. Uh, for those of you who don't, my name is Eric. Um, I'm the student ministry director here at Spring Branch. I work with middle and our high school students. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Uh, this is exciting for me. You know, Christmas is just this special time. You know, I've noticed that you don't even have to know Jesus or believe in God to know that there's something special about this time, about this Advent season. I thought it was cool that, uh, it's interesting, that Heath asked me to talk about Advent, and I was like, why would I talk about those little chocolate calendars on the wall? What does that have to do with Jesus? Um, don't judge me. Y'all are already judging me. Stop. It's too early for that. Um, but, you know, I used to love those calendars. Uh, my mom would get them for me every, uh, every year. But, um, you know, this season is, is really just, there's something incredible but uh, it wasn't until I made the best decision of my life and got married to my wife that I started to appreciate Christmas more and more. Now I just, like, we've had our Christmas tree up since November, and so we're just ready. Do we have a picture um, of me and my wife? Basically, the day after the hoedown, uh, we had our Christmas tree up. So, so we've been ready. I think I'm prepared. Uh, Stacy said, you're more than prepared for this message. We, we've, been, we've been going Advent since early on. Um, and so that's, that's a little piece of my family. Actually, if we could just skip right by Halloween and go right to Christmas, we probably would, although we do appreciate getting Bradley dressed up in her Halloween outfits. Um, there's a few of them. You got to buy a couple of them and to go to all the things that you got to do uh, when you become a dad. I'm, I'm still learning, still learning. Um, you know, we really cherish this time of the, of the year, though. It's definitely, I think, our favorite time of year. It's definitely, it's definitely become... Um, my favorite time of year. But there's so many preparations that need to be thought about as we approach this time of year. You gotta put up the Christmas lights and you gotta think about all the presents that you gotta get and you gotta think about all the food and all the things that you gotta do. There's so many get-togethers and gatherings and all these things. And I think the temptation for us is to kind of postpone. It's to kind of procrastinate. Do I have any procrastinators in the house? Anybody a procrastinator? Yeah, God still loves you. It's okay. We're, he's working on you. He's working on you. Um, and so, you know, I remember I was like, Stacy, like, just relax. We'll get the Christmas lights up. She's like, you know, I want them up. We'll get the Christmas lights up. Um, and so, you know, it was really, I'm like, oh, we can wait. You know, we can procrastinate um, and kind of push off. I think sometimes that's the temptation. But what if, what if we prepared our hearts for what Christmas is really about like we prepare for what we made Christmas about, right? What if we prepared our hearts for what Christmas is really about um, like we prepare for what we've made Christmas about. What if we stop postponing and putting things off and uh, began to redeem the time? Redeem the time. I want to talk to you a little bit about what I mean by that. Um, that's found in a verse. But before I get there, I want to talk to you about what these things are. And so this says the already and the not yet. And so I think uh, we see this throughout Scripture. But this is one particular verse that illustrates it, and I just want to read a little bit of it to you. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. But now, now we live with a great expectation. Expectation. Remember that. Now we live with a great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance Inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And so we see that Peter makes a distinction here. He said, there's a salvation that we've already received because Jesus came, right? So we celebrate at Christmas time that he's already come, right? And now because 
because God raised him from the dead. Now we have this salvation, but there's also a salvation to come. There's also one that will be here when he returns. And so there's this, there's this already in the not yet, and, and we find ourselves right here in the middle of it. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do, what we do in that in between. Um, I think Paul kind of really gets at this, um, but this is really the heart of Advent. It's really the heart of Advent, uh, the already and the not yet, that Jesus came as a baby in a manger at Christmas, right? And that's what we annually celebrate every year, but he is coming again. He is coming again. Um, You know, it's funny, I'm familiar with these feelings of expectation because me and my wife are expecting a son, little boy, he's on the way. He's still baking in the oven right now, but he'll be here in like a month or something. It's crazy. I can't can't even believe it. Um, He's here. And so um, we are literally expecting. We are literally expecting. And so as if Christmas wasn't enough, here we have, you know, one of the greatest gifts that we can be given. It's another son. Um, You know, just like one of the greatest gifts we were given was Jesus um, and how he came. And so Advent literally means just the arrival of a notable, notable person or a thing, or an event, and so, um, you know, that's what, that's what we do. It's like, we remember, like, man, this notable thing happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. This event, this notable person, he showed up, he came, right? And that's what Advent really means. That's really what Advent was all about. But originally, Advent was really more tied to Jesus' second coming, um, and, and through kind of some, some generations and some years, and it got tied to the Catholic Church and everything, it became more about his first coming. But Jesus has already come, and he's coming again, and he's coming again. So what does that mean for us? I think this, this verse in, in, um, in 1 Peter, it goes on to say, so prepare your minds, in verse 13, for action. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Interesting. Prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Paul goes on to illuminate this a little bit more, and I, I, I really love what he says. But what I want to say to you first is that I think we prepare for what we expect. I think we prepare for what we expect. I think about when Briley, my first daughter, was coming, the one you saw in the pictures. Um, when she was coming, we were expecting a child, and so what did we do? We prepared for a child, right? I mean, it's pretty simple, pretty logical. We knew we had a child coming, so what did you do? We bought a crib, and I had to assemble the crib and put it all together, um, and, that, and then I had to, you know, I had that one screw that was left over, and I'm like, yeah, I think this is important, so I had to take it all apart and put it all back together again. Some of you guys know um, when all else fails, just follow the directions. Um, I learned that the hard way, um, but really what, <laughs> what that came to means that we gave Briley her new big girl bed and her new big girl room. And that's what we call it when she's going to bed. She's like, I want to go to bed in my big girl room. And so we're like, yes, amen, go to bed. Um, and so, but that also means that I had to sacrifice my office to give Riley her room. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's, it's great. Uh, it's great. I'm excited about that. And, um, and so, but, but we prepare for what we expect. We prepare for what we expect. I say this to say that in the same way, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and so what are we doing to prepare? What are we doing to prepare for Christ's return? I think the already and the not yet meets smack in the middle with something that Paul says, and it's found um, in Ephesians 5 and also Colossians um, 4. And so uh, in Ephesians 5.15, it's what it says. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful 
how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Redeeming the time. That's the King James Version translation of what that Greek word there is. It's redeeming the time because the days are evil. And actually, Paul adds a little bit more meat to the, to the bones of that idea in Colossians. And I just want to read to you uh, the message version. He gives us something really practical to think about. And in the message version of Colossians 4, 5, and 6, we find that same word. And um, this, is, this is a couple verses. Use your heads. Use your heads as you live and you work among outsiders, which really what that means is people who don't believe the same things as us, people who don't know Jesus. Use your head when you work and you live alongside, like alongside uh, of, of people in this world. Don't miss a trick. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what that, that phrase, redeeming the time, translates to. In most other translations, that's what you'll see there. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. Be gracious, right? The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. We're supposed to leave other people feeling enlightened, feeling good about themselves, feeling encouraged, feeling lifted up. He goes on to say, look, don't put them down. Don't cut people out. Like, invite, like include them. Make them feel good. That's what we're supposed to do. When people leave a conversation with us, they're supposed to be like, wow, I feel better about myself. I feel good. Like, I want to have another conversation with that person. What's the next time I'm going to see them? Right? Because there's just something about that person. There's just this joy. There's this sweetness about, you know, they're, they're so encouraging. They uplift me. That's what Christians are supposed to be like. And that's what Paul is reminding us here in the message version of Colossians to do. There's a theme of wisdom there, using wisdom, right? In Ephesians, he says, not, don't walk as unwise, but be wise. And in Colossians, he said, walk with wisdom. So what is he saying? He's saying, watch your mouth, right? Around people who don't believe the same things as us, because ultimately, they know you're Christian. They know that you come to church. They know, like, they know. And so when they look at you, and you're gossiping, you're talking, you know, behind people's backs, and you're doing all the things that it's so easy to do, to do. like, trust me, I understand. Workplaces are toxic, and people, you know, they, they just love to talk about people uh, that they don't like, and who did what, and who they did it with, and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's so easy to get wrapped up in that, but, but Paul's saying there's a different way. There's a better way. Be gracious. Let, your, let, your, let what you say be attractive to people, so that, that it just, man, people just want to be around you, because the way that you use your mouth is like, man, there's some, there's some thought behind that. Does anybody else uh, like to speak before they think? That's, that's, that's me. Come on, we got one person who's honest back there. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's just not me uh, because it doesn't take long, and my wife will tell you that um, I'll say something unwise pretty quick, pretty quick. It's not, it's not hard to do that, but Paul's saying use wisdom. Think before you speak not the other way around. Ultimately, um, let's see. Um, when we live with a sense of expectation, it should lead to a life of preparation. All right, when we live with a sense of expectation that he's coming, right, that he came, but he's coming again, when we live with that expectation as we look forward to, to his coming, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to prepare. Well, what, like, how do we prepare? This is what Paul says in this verse. Paul says, redeem your time by making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity, especially concerning people who don't believe the same things as us. And using wisdom with how you speak to them and around them, amongst them. And, you know, as, as, you're, 
as you're interacting with them, I think this rings true to me because I'm a verbal processor, right? I just like, bah, I, just, I just speak. Um, and I, I, think, I think, to say it another way, a prepared life is an aware life. A prepared life is an aware life. Aware of, of what? Aware of what? Aware of every potential opportunity at school, at work, even here at church. Like there's people who come here to church, even probably here today, that they don't believe the same things as we do. And so when we're interacting with our friends or with people or with, potentially with them, we have to make the most of those opportunities by using wisdom and what we say and how we say it, right? We have to be careful. Be very careful how you live, Paul says. Interesting. Every interaction is a potential opportunity to make the most of. Every interaction, wherever you are, specifically pertaining to using wisdom with how we speak. One practical way that I've done this is I've used prayer to prepare. I've used prayer to prepare. What do I mean by that? I just pray for divine appointments. Right? Like, Lord, would you just bring somebody in my path today and just make it clear to me because I'm hard-headed that I'm supposed to say something to them? You know, would you just, like, give me a sign? You know, you guys ever prayed that? Just give me a sign, Lord. Um, but just pray for divine appointments, for, for opportunities to maybe even just say a kind word to somebody. Like, that's free. It doesn't cost us much to just say, hey, you, you know, you did good. You looking good today. Or nice outfit. You know, that Christmas sweater is tacky. Um, but, you know, Heath has been asking us to invest and invite in, um, in people, in our friends, in our neighbors, our workplaces, to this Christmas service. And maybe you pray for a potential opportunity to invite someone to a Christmas service and see what God is doing here at Spring Branch because I'll just remind you, last week, I, t- I gave the opportunity for middle schoolers to receive the Lord and there was 10 of them that said, I, I wanna do that. You know, I make them close their eyes and raise it. But like, so they're like, and then other kids are peeking. They're like, who's raising their hand? But there's 10 kids. And so I just wanna remind you that this is happening on a week-to-week basis. Kids are coming to know the Lord. People are being discipled. Faith and life classes are happening. People are wrestling with the hard questions like this is happening on a week-to-week basis. You know, we're still here because you're still here. And so thank you for your faithfulness in allowing us to, to make the most of every opportunity here at Spring Branch. And so invest and invite in some, somebody here. You know, that one invitation could be the transformation of someone's life, like Heath said. And, and that's an opportunity to make the most of, right? I think that... Um, I think that every major move, as I look back over my life, has been predicated by prayer. Every major move in my life has been predicated by prayer. I think about um, even how I arrived here. You know, I had, uh, I I was invited to a men's small group Bible study, and I was just in this season of prayer. I was like, Lord, I know you just got something more for me, and like, I don't know what it is, but God, just guide me and lead me and just provide something. And then this open door swing, swung wide open. And this guy, Jim White, who was sitting right next to me in Bible study, didn't know who he was. But he said, you know, if, uh, you know, our trainers, they have, you know, my cousin's leaving and this guy is going somewhere else and this doing this. He's like, I need trainers. And I'm like, man, I mean, I know how to work out. Like, I love working out. You know, I'm like, I've been working out for a long time. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, if you go get certified, you know, if you study what you need to study and go get certified, I'll give you a job. And so I was like, read everything I had to read. And when it took the test in like no time, he was like, whoa. It's like, all right, um, you're hired. And so got that job, which ultimately led me to my wife, the best decision I ever made, amen. And then that led me to Michael Simone also, who you may have heard his name before. Um, and he calls me Genghis Khan. Um, he says, 
and evil, but I was really nice. Um, but, um, you know, during that time, I really entered into a season of, of prayer, concentrated prayer, like, Lord, what do you, what do you have for me? I, feel, I just felt like there was something more. There was, there was, like, he was, he was clearing the way for something, but I didn't know what. And so then um, Michael comes to me and he says, hey, uh, you know, what do you think about, you know, he has that voice, what do you think about speaking to middle school kids? And I'm like, oh. So I went home and talked it over my wife, and I said, no, thank you, I'm good. Um, and then he came back about two weeks later, and he, um, he was like, you know, I just really feel like it's been on my heart to ask you again. And he was like, what about high school kids, though? And I was like, hmm, okay. I was, I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. And so I was, I was training part-time, and, and, and also I started doing high school ministry. And I have a picture of the first retreat. It's basically the first thing we did when we got here was we went to Philly, um, one person, you were there. Uh, and so we went to Philly, and if you want to get to know some high school kids, go on a retreat with them and stay in the same hotel rooms with them and then go to a concert with them, and we served the homeless together, and it was so great. Um, but, you know, prior to this, these kids had seen a lot of transition. Um, two years prior to this, um, an awesome, awesome student minister, Kevin, had just left, and another guy, Zach, had came. And so now I'm kind of the third guy in just a few years who had been there, and so when they looked me at my face and they asked, are you just gonna leave us too? Man, my my heart broke for him. And I still remember having the conversation with Natalie. I'm like, hey, I think I I I really, because they were bringing in a a 20-year student ministry vet to like take my spot, to like be the guy. And I'm like, hold on a second. No, 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 no. Like I built relationships with these kids. These are my kids. I'm like, hold on. You're not gonna bring in this guy to just, and then have a net, like who knows how long he's gonna be around. And so I was like, no. No, I want this. I remember going to Michael and Debbie. I said, I want this. These are my kids. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, and so here we are. I uh, wouldn't be here if I didn't make the most of that opportunity, right? If I postponed and I put it off and I, and I procrastinated about it, I wouldn't be here. And I believe this is where the Lord wants me to be. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I did make the most of that opportunity. That was a great trip. Um, you know, it's, it's really incredible what God is doing. But I think, ultimately, our temptation is to postpone, right? It's to procrastinate, it's to put it off as long as possible. And we see throughout Scripture, actually, that verse I read to you in Ephesians 5.15. In Ephesians 5.14, uh, Paul reminds them of, I, some scholars seem to think it was a hymn that they would sing. And what it says is, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper make the most of every opportunity, right? And so what is Paul saying? He's saying, wake up. He's saying, wake up, because God knows that our default is to enter into a spiritual slumber in an unalert state of living. So he's saying, wake up and make the most of every opportunity. And so Paul is speaking to the Ephesians and the Colossians in the same way. And what he's saying is, you know, be vigilant. We see these, this, this, these themes in other places in Scripture. Be diligent. Wake up. Make the most, like, this is important. This is important. One, re- one of the resounding messages I see is wake up and make the most of every opportunity. And Jesus says in Revelation, if you don't wake up, I'll come to you as unexpected as a thief. And, you know, Heath mentioned last week, he said, expect the unexpected. If you're here, his message was expect the unexpected. And I believe we do that by preparing. 
in this in-between time, right? Jesus already came as a baby in a manger, and what he did offers us everything, but he's coming back. And so what we do in this time means everything for what's going to happen after this not-yet time, right? When Jesus comes back, this time right now has everything to do, has serious implications for the future. So God tells us through Paul, writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity with the people in your life. And as I continue to think about this verse, uh, that um, redeem the time and make the most of every opportunity, those are translated from one Greek word, um, really uh, two, but I think, I think it has a lot to do with a coupon because that Greek word is agora. Agora is like an open-air marketplace. Like, has anybody ever been to a farmer's market? You guys been to a farmer's market? Maybe you could think of something like that that would kind of demonstrate or illustrate a agora. It's like an open-air place of market and trade, and people were buying and selling. And, and so Paul says, redeem the time, just like you would redeem a coupon, right? So, so you take your coupon, and that coupon represents your time. You redeem the time, right? So you trade your time like a coupon. You trade it for something more valuable than time. I thought about this. What's more valuable than time to us? If you've been around for long enough, you know that time is our most valuable resource. It's the most valuable thing that we have. You can't buy time. You only got so much, and God decides how much that is, but it's limited. It's limited, and so why would we trade our time for anything? What's more valuable than time? And I was asking, I was asking God, I'm like, would you, you know, like, what can you mean by that? What's more valuable? And God spoke to me, I believe, he whispered into it, not like an audible voice like Eric, um, but just spoke into my spirit, and, and I believe he asked me this question, what's more valuable than people? What's more valuable than people? I think this is actually how we love our neighbors as ourselves, as we trade what we value most for what he values most. See, we value our time right? Our appointments and our jobs and our families and our, our this and our that, but God values people. And so he asks us to trade our most valuable resource for what he treasures, to trade what we value for what he values, and that's people. That's every opportunity. That's what Paul is getting at here. He's saying, look, God values people. And even goes on to say, not just us, the people who believe in him, but even unbelievers, he said, God sees those people as immeasurably valuable, all of us, everybody. And so what Paul is saying is make the most of every opportunity because he sees everyone as priceless, priceless. God values people. And so he asks us to trade our most valuable resource. I think that's what Paul is getting at here in these verses. And, um, you know, he asks us to trade our time. He asks us to trade our time for a potential opportunity, especially with people who don't know Jesus, obviously, right? That maybe we could plant a seed in them, and through that seed, through, through the wisdom that we use, through what we say, maybe we could take that treasure with us to heaven. See, we see that actually throughout Scripture, that, that store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Well, what does that mean? I think God's talking about people. God's saying, you can bring people with you to heaven, how incredible would that be is the people around you, you'll see them forever, eternally, right? And um, like that's the opportunity that we have. And Paul is saying, use every opportunity, make the most of every situation. I think it's cool though, as I continue to think about this, actually the letters of 
um, Ephesians, which is wrote to the church in Ephesus, and the uh, letter of Colossians, which is written to the church of Colossae, Paul was writing these letters from prison, which I don't know if you've been to prison. Um, nothing against you if you have. Uh, but the thing about this is what do you have in prison? You have nothing but time. You have nothing but time in prison. And so it's ironic that Paul is writing from prison telling us to redeem the time when he has nothing but time, right? Isn't there, there's an irony there. But what he's saying is, man, when you have time to reflect and you're like, oh, what did I say in that conversation? Why didn't I make the most of that opportunity? Why didn't, you know how when you have time to think about what you've done, you're like, ah, I could have done this, I could have said that. I think Paul might be doing this. Or what he could be saying is, when I get out of here, I'm gonna make the most of every opportunity because I'm stuck in here. This Holy Spirit's just bubbling. Like, I'm ready to go do something, but I can't because I'm in chains. But he's writing to his church and he's saying, make the most of every opportunity. I'm stuck in here, but you're not. You're in the world, so go make the most of it. Trust me, as I'm sitting here in prison, I'm reflecting on what's most important and people are what's most important. Go make the most of every opportunity. Don't miss a trick. Lift people up, encourage them, love them, show them what God is really all about. In light of what Jesus has done, with eternity in view and what's coming, we prepare by making the most of every opportunity. But I think God expects nothing more from us than what he's already given to us. Okay, God expects nothing more from us than he's already given to us. What do I mean? He's redeemed us. It says that he's bought us with a price. He's bought us with a price. And now he asks us to redeem our time for others. See, he's given his life for us out of his love for us. And now he asks us to give our lives to love others. You know, God traded his most valuable resource in his son. The most valuable thing that he had, his obedient, good, spotless, blameless, perfect son. And what did he do? He traded that for you and me. He traded that. Now he says, trade your most valuable resource, whatever that is for you, for what I value, because I traded what I valued for you. He expects nothing more from us than he's already given to us. We're called to live a life of expectation of him because we prepare for what we expect. We prepare for what we expect, but are we preparing for him? Are we preparing for him? This verse in 1 John, I love. It's convicting and it's challenging to me, and uh, maybe it'll be the same for you. This is what John says, and now, dear children, continue in him. Continue reading, continue praying, and continue seeking him. Continue trying to find out what this is all about so that when he appears, that not yet time, when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. You see, there's two potential postures to have when Jesus returns. John says, either you can be confident you can know that you made the most of every opportunity. You can know, Lord, I'm ready. You can come right now, and I'm prepared. Or you can be ashamed. You can be ashamed before him at his coming because you know, Lord, I, I knew the truth, but you know, I didn't do it. I was procrastinating. I was pushing it off, and I was just waiting for something to happen. I was valuing what I valued more than what you valued, and I was just doing my own thing. There's two potential postures. What posture do you want to have when Jesus returns? You know, how silly would it have been expecting a child, knowing that that child is coming, 
but yet not buying a car seat and not getting diapers, uh, not preparing the room and painting and, and assembling cribs and all this kind of stuff. How silly would that be if we didn't prepare for what we were expecting? How much more important is it to prepare for Jesus when he comes? I just want to give you an opportunity to make the most of right now, and that's our offering. You know, a lot is happening at Spring Branch. Again, as, from week in, week out, a lot is happening here, and I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you that you continue to give and and, and show your faith in that way. Thank you for your obedience. And let me just pray over this offering. Father, thank you, Lord, for every person here today. Thank you for this service, God. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray I made the most of it, God. But I pray that we would make the most of every opportunity as we go from these doors. Father, I pray that you just spoke into the heart of your people. God, that you moved in them, that the Holy Spirit is just... It's just jumping inside of them. God, I pray that in this season, we would be expectant of what you're going to do in our lives, of what you've already done, Lord, but ultimately, what you're going to do, God. You're incredible, God. We love you. We thank you. Would you bless these gifts, Father? Bless the giver. God, just be faithful to provide everything that we need, God, as we're faithful and obedient to what you've called us to give. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you do. In Jesus' name, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. Caught up in this holy moment, I never want to leave. No, I'm not here for blessings, Jesus. You don't owe. 